Hi, and welcome to the Writers Forum. I'm David Benedetto, and today I'll be speaking with best-selling author of The Cartel, Don Winslow, to talk about his latest novel, The Force. Set in New York City, The Force is a haunting story that deals with, quote, crime, injustice, greed and violence, race and inequality, retribution and redemption, and reveals the insurmountable tensions between street cops and the diverse citizens they serve. How are you doing today, Don? Yeah, I'm great, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. Uh, I hear you're in Rhode Island right now. How's the uh, the weather treating you? You know, it's turning around. It has been rainy, and um, now it's sunny and blue sky, and I'm headed for the beach uh, pretty soon after this interview's done. So. Oh, fantastic. Glad to yeah. hear. Well, to yeah. kind of dive into the, the, the book at hand, uh, what made you want to write this story? You know, David, I've sort of always wanted to write this story, uh, when I was a kid, I was very influenced by those, you know, kind of classic films and books of the 70s, The French Connection, uh, Prince of the City, Serpico, were part of what I think made me uh, want to become a crime writer, you know. Uh, I always thought, man, if I could tell stories like that. So in some ways, I've been wanting to, to write a, a New York cop book my whole life. Interesting. And it's a very trippy, tricky topic that you're dealing with right now, especially in kind of the uh, com- the moment right now with police and citizen relations, especially minority citizens. And I, I wanted to know what you did and you- what you kind of wanted to highlight when bringing these things up. Well, I wanted to take those things straight on. You know, it's it's one reason that I wrote the book now. You know, the other reason was I, I felt that I finally had the talent to do it. Uh, but also the time felt right because of the very issues that you're bringing up. Uh, it seems like, you know, balance has become kind of a dirty word in what's an increasingly polarized society here. But I wanted to bring some balance and, and show several different points of view uh, on these issues. And um, I hope I did that. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, how did you go about researching this novel? I've read that you spent a lot of time with officers and their families and got to do a lot of write-alongs and such. Yeah, you know, listen, you know, some of these conversations lasted hours, some lasted weeks, but others have lasted literally decades. Yeah. You know, I've known a lot of cops my whole life. Uh, I was a PI, so I work cases alongside police. I work cases, for that matter, against police, you know. Uh, so, like any relationship, you know, it's it's a matter of spending time, and it's a matter of doing more listening than talking. I can imagine that. What were some of the, the surprising things that you found out during kind of this research period for the book? You know, I, I think that, that one surprise is um, how deeply most police feel about their jobs, how deeply they feel about the victims. You know, we tend to think because of pop culture and, you know, because of writers like me, I suppose, that the primary relationship between, you know, police is with the criminal. But the primary dynamic isn't. It's, it's between the cop and the victim. You know, the, the perpetrator is usually gone uh, by the time the cop gets on the scene. Who the cop is dealing with is a victim, very often of violence or of robbery or of rape or or whatever. And I was very impressed um, and, to my embarrassment, a little surprised at how deeply most of the police I talked to carried those stories. 
No, I can imagine that. That's interesting you bring up representation of police. There was a uh, a good report from Alyssa Rosenberg in the Washington Post about how police have been represented in, uh, in pop culture and TV and movies since the 40s and 50s until now, and I found it kind of uh, elucidating in a lot of ways. Uh, and I was wondering how you try and find balance with that human aspect as well as, you know, the ideology that kind of goes into representation of police, whether they're against them or for them or, or what have you, somewhere in between. Yeah, you know, the, the against and for thing is a problem, isn't yeah. it? When you really think it through, the the largest victims of violent crime are people in poor neighborhoods, uh, largely minority communities, let's be blunt. They and the police should be natural allies, as opposed to having an adversarial relationship. There's a lot that's gone into making that relationship more adversarial over the years, you know. And, and racism is certainly a, a large part of that. There's there's no hiding from that. Having said that, I think of my job as to bring the reader into a world that he or she couldn't otherwise get into. Mm-hmm. or if they do know that world a little bit, to maybe show it to them in a slightly different way. To do that, my job is to get into the head of the characters and show the reader, you know, through the character's eyes, what that world looks like. When I'm doing that, I'm not trying to make value judgments. I'm not trying to make political judgments. Uh, I'm just trying to show a realistic version and tell a a plausible story to let people into that world. So I suspend all of those judgments. Mm -hmm. And and when I'm writing, you know, I'm trying to be subjective. No, I can see that definitely. And I know you have a journalistic background. Do you think that a desire to have almost the fly on the wall and to really immerse yourself in these worlds without those judgments comes from that? I think that's part of it. You know, um, I was, you know, I have a, a journalistic background, although I never did a lot of that work. I did some of it. I spent more years as a, as a private investigator, uh, including, you know, doing some undercover kinds of things. I, I call it the chair phenomenon. Hmm. You know how when you buy a new piece of furniture, a chair or a sofa or whatever, for the first couple of weeks you walk into that room, and that's what you see, right? You know, it's the chair, it's the sofa. But... <laughs> After a couple of weeks, it's the chair and it's the sofa. Yeah. You know, and I think part of my job when I'm researching a book, whether it's about police or drug cartels or, or whatever, is to become the chair. Oh, I can you see know? that. I can see that. Um, you know, having both the cartel and now the force, there's this interest, obviously, in the systemic kind of organizations that um, a lot of problems are happening in. And, and I'm wondering why you got interested in trying to discover those things in the first place and trying to, you know, live within them a little bit. You know, very different reasons for each of these books. Uh, I never started out to write about drug cartels. It never interested me. I never thought that that was a world that I would get into. Uh, Then back in 97, there was a massacre, there's no other word for it, of, of 19 innocent men, women, and children in a little village in Baja, Mexico, uh, not far from where we live, in a, in a place we would go to play. And uh, I could not figure out why that had happened, how things could get to that point. So I started researching it. That, that eventually evolved into a book called The Power of the Dog, uh, 
and the cartel is a sequel to the power of the dog. And so it was really an effort to discover, you know, how that sort of evil could come about. Now, by the time I wrote the cartel, you know, sadly, a body count of 19 wouldn't have even made the newspapers mm -hmm. in the era of, you know, say 2007 to about 2011. That was a low-day body count in Mexico where, you know, over 100,000 people were killed um, in the drug wars. In terms of the police book, uh, again, that was a world I'd always wanted to write about, you know, and just felt this was the right time. No, I, I can see that. Um, you know, your main character, one of your main characters in this book is, is Denny Malone, uh, who you say, you know, wants to be a good cop. And I'm interested to hear your opinion, what, what that means in this day and age. What does it mean to be a good policeman? You know, I think that that, that changes in some ways, you know, and I think that, that police in this era, particularly the younger people, are, are beginning to look at what that means. You know, and I think that the the upper ranks are as well, that we need to maybe rethink uh, how we police. And in order to get to a new era, we might want to go back and do some things that we used to do. You know, there, there are things from the old days we really want to let go and get rid of, you know, absolutely. But, you know, we have a, a fancier term for it now. We call it community policing. We used to call it the cop on the block on the beat, mm -hmm. you know, where police knew the people in their neighborhoods, uh, not just the criminals, not just the drug slingers, but the store owners, the kids, the, you know, the elderly lady going shopping. They, they knew who was doing what and who needed protection. The way we police now, though, is more by response. You know, something happens and then the cops come. So really, all they see are the bad things. And I think that that has a, a deleterious effect in two directions, the view of police toward the community and the view of the community toward the police. No, definitely. And did you kind of get that sense from the, the policemen that you were talking with and interviewed, you know, over your, your history and writing, but also for this book in particular, that a lot of them feel that something's been lost there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I did. And, and you know, I, I talked to officers who were weeks on the job, and I talked to officers who had been retired after 30-year careers and had been retired for 10 years, you know, who remember some of those days when they were younger officers. And, and you definitely got that feeling. And, and you, you also got the feeling among a lot of these cops that the war on drugs has gotten in the way of, of their doing what they consider to be real police work and that the the militarization of our police forces has not been uh, a good thing. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, kind of a, a general question for, for you. Uh, you seem to really like writing in this kind of crime fiction. Uh, I don't want to call it genre because these are very real and important stories, sometimes more than some of the more intellectual novels that you see uh, at addressing common day things. Uh, but I'm wondering what keeps you writing in it? You know, listen, I don't reject the, the word genre at all, by mm -hmm. the way. You know, I'm a, I'm a crime fiction writer, and I'm proud to be in that genre. Yeah. Uh, it's a little looked down on, you know, sometimes by, you know, quote, real literature and, and some of the more, as you said, intellectual things, you know, <laughs> kind of looked down on us. I, one time I was asked if I thought I lived in a literary ghetto, <laughs> uh, 
And I said, yeah, and I love my neighborhood, you know, <laughs> and I love my neighbors. So it's all I've wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, what keeps me there? You know, when we write about crime, we, we write about human beings in extremis. Mm-hmm. We write about the edge. Uh, we write about what Mr. Springsteen would have called darkness on the edge of town, you know. And, and that's where I like to exist is, is with characters who are on the edge and who live in the darkness on the edge of town, that, that to me is much more interesting uh, than, you know, the beautiful people and their so-called problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like writing there. I like, I like being in that space as a writer. No, I get that. And just based on what you've told me in this interview, you like kind of figuring out the basis of problems and, and trying to solve them and then getting able to fictionalize that in a way and trying to delve into it in a workshop almost. Yeah, and that's the great challenge of it. You know, uh, I mentioned that later on I'm going to be getting into the ocean, you know. And to me, crime writing is a lot like the sea. You, you stand on the beach and you see a wave, right? Yeah. And that, what you're looking at is very real. And, and often quite beautiful, and it exists. But you also know that what caused that wave is very often underneath. <laughs> it's what you don't see. It's in the darker, colder water. Or it could be an event that happened a thousand miles away yeah. at the bottom of the ocean is causing what is now visible. So I like taking those deeper dives you know, down there and finding the causes of what we see. And, you know, some people might call it the underworld. I don't know, but, but to me it's more interesting. Yeah, no, and very interesting. Um, I know you have done quite a bit of traveling yourself from continent to continent in a lot of, lot of ways, and I'm wondering yeah. how that engagement with a wider world early on has affected your writing. Well, I think a lot. You know, look, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to be a writer, but the world did not agree with that <laughs> ambition for a long time so i needed to make a living and i wanted to make a living doing interesting things and and going to interesting places you know to europe and africa where i spent a lot of my career and and china where i spent some of it as well i think listen you know it's a cliche travel is broadening yeah uh and travel lets you look at things from a lot of different angles it gives you a different perspective and i think that's that's quite useful. You know, a lot of times, you know, you're, you're trying to write a chapter, you're trying to write a scene, and it just isn't working. And some people call that writer's block. But more often, I find if I take four or five stabs at writing it and it's not working, it's either the wrong scene or I'm looking at it from the wrong point of view. Mm. And if I switch points of view, like one does when one travels, I guess, it opens that scene up, and very often what had been a, a failure, you know, now becomes something quite interesting. Yeah. What are, uh, what are your writing habits like? Do you have any rituals? <laughs> well, I have rituals. I go to work, you know. <laughs> um, I'm not that guy that needs, you know, the sun, southern exposure at a 45-degree angle, and a, you know, a sharpened number two pestle, pencil a foot and a half from my left hand or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, pretty flexible I've had to be, you know, because of the travel you alluded to. I, you know, I've written and still do on trains and planes and in tents and hotel rooms and all kinds of things. But... But when I'm home, um, which is most of the time, uh, yeah, I treat it like a J-O-B, you know, like most people have. I, I start work at 5.30 in the morning, and 
I work until about 10.30, and then I, I walk or run four to six miles uh, and come back and, and work until 5.30. Uh, this time of year when we live along the coast, uh, I switch it up. I, I start at 4.30, I work at 5.30 rather, I work till about 4 in the afternoon, and then I, I go to the beach. Not and a bad. swim or surf or walk or something. <laughs> Not a bad deal right there. That's a good little um, schedule you have. It's kind of heaven. You know, you, you come back from doing that sort of pleasantly tired and a little beat up, and and then you get that wonderful hot shower, you know, um, and and fixed dinner, and then uh, I'm pretty dull, you know. Pretty pretty quickly after that, I'm in bed. <laughs> No, not bad. Um, you, you had mentioned a little bit before, but you said you worked as a PI in Times Square in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. How did that job come about? And could you uh, share some of the stories that you have from then? Oh, man. You know, um, that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> David. But uh, I got the job because I had a previous job as the assistant manager of movie theaters in New York. Mm. Uh, where you learn all about theft, because in those days, anyway, that's all they were, were just glittering walls of theft on, on all kinds of levels. And I was fired for turning in a, a set of honest box office figures. And uh, a buddy of mine had just taken over the management of a string of legitimate movie theaters in Times Square. There were some. And thought he was getting robbed by the staff, so I went in to investigate that, and then I stayed with that detective agency for a while, and then moved on from there. Oh, wow. Stories, you know, gosh, man, you know, I could tell you dozens. You know, there was, uh, for a while, a guy <clears throat> was going up to the tops of buildings. This is before Mickey Mouse arrived in Times Square. Yeah. And uh, he would throw cinder blocks off the tops of buildings at people. Jesus. So... When you went in the alleys, you'd always walk with your back pressed against the wall for trajectory purposes. (laughs) But uh, I'm a little nostalgic for those days. You know, it was violent and scary and nasty, uh, and there's parts of me that miss it. Yeah, that's interesting that that need to kind of not necessarily romanticize because people who were there, there's general nostalgia for that and that time period, but there's a lot coming out about, you know, New York and that kind of dark, gritty time. And you see that romanticization that people were never really involved with it. Well, you do, you know, and it's funny, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, HBO, I think next week comes out with The Deuce, you know, which is slang for 42nd Street on Times Square, in exactly the era that I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's some great folks working on it, George Pelicanos and David Simon and some really terrific writers. So, yeah, I'm excited about seeing that, and I'm going to be interested in seeing how I feel when I watch it. Oh, interesting. Um, speaking of, of representations in, on the screen, uh, I hear that Ridley Scott is going to be making The Cartel into a film in 2018, and that James Marigold, who did uh, Walk the Line and most recently Logan, is going to be adapting The Force. And I'm wondering how you feel about that and, and how are you involved with that? Oh, man, look, I'm, I'm terrifically excited. You know, I mean, anytime you have a director, you know, with the, the quality of a Ridley Scott and the intellect and vision of a Ridley Scott, you're, you're nothing but thrilled. My buddy Shane Salerno's doing the screenplay. He's very knowledgeable about the Mexican drug world, so that's great. Yeah, Mangold's doing The Force, and, and you know, David Mamet is doing the screenplay. Interesting. And I was just blown away by that. Uh, how am I involved? You know, all these, these guys talk to me. 
<laughs> you know, we have conversations. They they have questions, um, you know, sometimes technical questions. Other times they just want, you know, my take on the, the characters or whatever. So it's, it's always a conversation. No, I think that. Um, who are some, some authors that you look up to? Well, yeah, I'm always hesitant to answer this question for fear of leaving someone out. <laughs> of course. You know, because there are so many. I mean, in my genre, you know, usually, of course, you start with Raymond Chandler mm-hmm. and the McDonald's, you know, John and Ross, um, the, the late, great Elmore Leonard, you know, uh, Charles Williford. Uh, oh, my God, there are so many. You know, James Elroy, uh, Michael Conley. Um, God, you know, I, I could just go on and on and on and on. Oh, I get that. Um, well, kind of getting towards the end of our interview, but I do have uh, one more question for you. Yeah. And uh, What are you reading right now, and what's up next for you? Right now I'm reading a book called, well, I'm reading a couple of things. I, I typically read four or five books at a time. You yeah. know, I'm that guy. Um, I'm reading a book called Blood in the Water about the Attica prison uprising. Uh, I'm reading a uh, biography of Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, They're both very good. Um, Sports Illustrated is sitting here with the NFL, you know, predictions waiting for me to get to it. Uh, What am I working on now? Well, I'm doing something I swore I wouldn't. after Power of the Dog, I swore I wasn't going back to the Mexican drug cartels, and then I made a liar of myself and wrote <laughs> The Cartel. After The Cartel, I swore I wasn't going back to it, and now, um, once again, I'm making a liar of myself, and I'm finishing that trilogy. Uh, but this will be the final installment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Really interesting, Don. Uh, but before you go, one follow-up question to, to that, to The Cartel, and, and... Uh, the book that came before that you had mentioned. Uh, do you have any re- reactions from from people in Mexico reading the book, or the the law enforcement that work uh, on the cases there? Oh sure, you know I think that the book's in something like its twenty ninth printing in Spanish. Wow. So I think a lot of people, you know, in Mexico and Central and South America have read the book. I do. I hear from all kinds of folks. I hear from a lot of journalists. I hear from law enforcement. I I hear from, you know, the occasional trafficker. And, um, you know, look, some of them like it. Some of them are angry. Uh, But almost all of them say, you know, I got it right. (laughs) Well, that's all that matters then. That's all that matters to me. Well, awesome, Don. Well, thank you so much for coming on the air and talking with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I was just speaking to author Don Winslow about his latest novel, The Force, which is out now and soon to be adapted into a movie directed by James Marigold. And that's the end of our show. You've been listening to the Writers Forum on WRBH 88.3 FM. You can catch our show every Thursday at 4.30 p.m., Saturdays at 8.30 a.m., as well as Sundays at 1 p.m. All of our interview programs at WRBH are uploaded to our SoundCloud page, which you can find at soundcloud.com slash WRBH Reading Radio, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. I'm David Benedetto. Until next time.